First Timothy chapter number two. Continuing our study, we're looking at our outline, how to build an effective church in chapters one through three, as Paul writes to Timothy here. And we saw in chapter one, the church and its doctrine, and now in chapter number two, the church and its devotion, church and its devotion. Uh, we saw last time in verses 1 through 8 the practice of worship in the church and uh, what the men were to do in uh, prayer and lifting up their holy hands in prayer to the Lord. And, um, and that brings us, we saw the practice of worship in the church and now the place of women in the church. Verses 9 to 15 of chapter number 2, the place of women in the church. Now, we're going to read this in just a second, but uh, Paul is given the practicality um, of what women's role are in the church. If you are a strong feminist, you're going to hate this message. Um, uh, you'll be very critical of it. Um, people are that way. Uh, they mock it. They tear it apart. Uh, I don't encourage you doing this, but uh, if you do a Google search um, with my name and your church, and it won't take you long to find sermons like tonight's that a very liberal crowd loves to make fun of and poke fun of, and, and they take little 30-second clips or tie two together, make me say things I didn't say, um, and love to make fun of sermons like this. And uh, so I expect nothing less after this one. So just please don't let it be you, right? Uh, that would be very sad. Uh, but uh, they, they enjoy that. We're on their radar. So. But to me, must be, we must be on something, right? right? If that crowd hates our message or something, we're probably saying right. Yeah? Uh, but uh, these verses, what we're about to read, have nothing to do with male chauvinism. Um, and anyone that doesn't like this message, the fight is not with me. It's not with the Apostle Paul. It's with God. Um, nowhere and no place in the world should women be treated with more respect and honor than in a New Testament Baptist church. Ladies should be honored. They should be uh, just uh, held in high esteem. They should be thanked. They should be praised. They should be taken care of. Uh, to our young men in the auditorium, all right, you see uh, one of our ladies carrying a big trash bag. They should not get two more steps until you stop them, take it, and take care of it for them. And ladies, let them. Let them, all right? You know, that happens so often today's where it's like, oh, I can handle it. I know you can. I know you can. Some of you can probably lift more than some of these young men, all right? I know you can. That's not the point. The point is to teach them to respect, all right? Uh, if we have a fellowship next door, and there's some ladies standing, and some of you younger men are sitting down, get up, all right? Um, we, we should treat ladies with honor, respect, all right? And, um, and so please remember that, all right? Uh, sadly, though, what I just said, that no place should women be treated with more respect and honor than a New Testament Baptist church. Sadly, too often that's not the case. Um, 
Let's read our text. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, and uh, let's stand as we read it, all right? If you're able to. If you're not able to, God understands that. But just respecting the Word of God and what we're reading, this is God's Word. And let's really take this in tonight. Uh, verses 9 to 15. Verse number 9. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to speak to us tonight. And Lord, may this scripture, maybe just your Holy Spirit, teach us and give us understanding. And I just pray that, Lord, we would not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer tonight. And Lord, I just pray you teach us, Lord, as only you can. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Be seated, please. And let's put your finger right there in that passage, but turn over to 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And read a verse with me in 1 Peter chapter number 3. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2 teaches a long lesson on when authority is wrong, how to well, react to that, and uh, how to deal with it biblically. Um, as in, like, whatever job you work at, your boss is a wicked person, you know, how should you treat them as a Christian? And it's taught in chapter number 2. Uh, which, by the way, you serve them like you're serving Christ. Right? You give them honor. You obey them. Uh, only exception is if they ever ask you to do anything that's contrary to scriptures. Right? You, you obey God rather than man. Right? Uh, like, I don't... I'm just throwing this out here, just out of this illustration. As many of you know, you know, a couple years ago, I worked at Dunkin' Donuts and uh, loved it. Uh, and loved doing all that, meeting people, and it was fun. Uh, but they just announced they're going to start serving alcohol in their drinks, um, which you can buy and, uh, and put it, not you, you better not, all right? But people can, all right? And, uh, and uh, I'm not sure how they're getting away with that, with drive throughs and all that. But, uh, but they are, and, uh, and you say, what would you have done if you worked there? Quit. I wouldn't do it. I will not. That's contrary to Scripture. Now, if she tells me to only fill the cup three-fourths of the way, you know, and to put this foam on it and sprinkle this, all right, even if I know a better way, I'm going to do it like she said, because she's the boss, or he's the boss, right? Um, so you obey unless it contradicts Scripture, all right? Well, it teaches that in First Peter, how to handle all that. Then it says, verse chapter 3, likewise, wives. So if a wife is married to a man that is not obedient to the Word of God, and that's everything from um, not being saved to a believer that's not right with God. And how a wife should act and live her life. And uh, we'll probably glance at this scripture again later. Uh, but then you get down to verse number 7. And it says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So in this passage of Scripture, it tells us how we ought to be treating our wife. You say, well, if my wife's not right with God, and I, that is a way to bring her to where she needs to be, 
But that's how husbands should treat their wives at all times. All right? That's how we as men should treat ladies. All right? With the same general principle here. You, uh, again, a husband will dwell with them according to knowledge. Know who they are. Know their needs. Know what they, they're going through. Uh, know their thinking. Know, you know, just, again, and learn the scriptures on how to be a good husband. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Then giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. It doesn't say that wives are weak. It says you treat them as if they are. All right? In other words, you carry in the groceries, not them. You, you know. Now, again, everyone's going to help our team in marriage, right? And I get that. But the point is this, all right? You should do all you can to protect her, all right? Someone tries to break in your home, please don't throw your wife in front of you and say, go get them, all right? You do it, all right? Uh, but we, we, we treat them with honor. How do you treat someone with honor? You respect them. You listen to them. You don't dominate everything in the conversation and what you do. Uh, honor. You give up your seat. Honor. You know, if, if it comes down, uh, you know, to you, know, you getting a, a drink or, uh, or she getting an iced tea, well, she can get the iced tea, right? Um, ladies, I'm going to help you a little bit. Even though you don't want an entire iced tea, don't drink half of your husband's. Get your own so they can drink theirs. Just want to throw that out there. Nothing in particular. I just that's an issue in some people's marriage. All right? I just I want to help people tonight, all right? But um, but you you work together, right? You treat them as, as the weaker vessel, knowing this, that you're heirs together of the grace of life. You know what that is? The heirs together of the grace of life means this. God's grace in your life is blessings. God wants you to have a blessed life, a blessed marriage, a happy life, a happy marriage. But if you don't treat your wife with these things, you're not going to have it. Matter of fact, your prayers will be hindered. Because you're one flesh, and if you're at odds with each other, it's affecting your prayer life. Now, keep something there. We'll be back there. But let's go back over to Timothy, all right? But we treat our wife uh, with, we treat, and again, all ladies with honor. Ladies in the Scripture, godly ladies, are always given great honor. Uh, Paul, and I know Paul wrote this passage of Scripture we're going to preach on tonight. All right? But understand this, that the Apostle Paul honored these godly ladies. Uh, I'll just throw these out there for time's sake, but in Romans 16, there was Phoebe. And he commended Phoebe and talked great about her and gave her honor and respect and told the church to honor and respect her. In Romans 16, in verse number 6, there's another uh, a lady named Mary. I don't know much about her, but Paul that said that she had served the Lord faithfully and she was to be honored. In Romans 16, verse 13, there's a mother of Rufus that Paul says to uh, greet her and to whatever her needs are, to take care of those. We know that Timothy's mother and grandma uh, were honored in Scripture, that they taught their son and grandson Timothy the truth of Scriptures. In Acts chapter 16, there's a godly lady named Lydia that, uh, that the Apostle Paul talks of and lifts her uh, up, or sorry, Luke does, and lifts her up and, and praises uh, her works and how that she got saved there at Philippi. And then she, she welcomed 
uh, the missionaries into her church and, and uh, into her house, and she ministered to them, and the church met there in her house. We could talk about uh, the other Mary. We talk about Mary Magdalene. We could talk about Martha. We could talk about Priscilla. We could talk about all these ladies, and my point is this, that the, the Bible does not put ladies on some low level. The Bible lifts these ladies up. And I want you to have that understanding as we look at the Scripture, because some that, you know, despise some of these teachings and thoughts say, well, Paul's just some male chauvinist and, and uh, treating ladies with disrespect. That is not what Paul did in his life, and that is not what the Bible teaches. Right. Having said that, in this passage of Scripture, Paul shares the mind of God on the role of women in the church and the place of women in the church understanding the, the, the love and appreciation and the honor and the respect that the Lord and the Apostle Paul gave to these ladies and is taught to give to ladies please receive this teaching appropriately right? we see number two in our outline the place of women in the church first of all in verses 9 and 10 they are to live in sobriety. They are to live in sobriety, or a soberness in controlling themselves. The first thing in verse number 9, we see here what they should avoid. What they should avoid. Now again, this is where someone's going to have a lot of fun on the internet, I guarantee it. Right? I didn't make this the first thing on the list. I didn't outline it in a special order. We're just going right through the verse, right? But the Holy Spirit, the first thing that he addressed is first of all regarding the dress. Now we're talking about the worship and the life of men and now ladies. And it says there in verse number 9, in like manner also, in other words, holy and presenting yourself before God, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel regarding their dress. There's a lot of people out there, unfortunately, that, you know, Pastor Burke, it's all he ever preaches on, which isn't true. I think all of you can amen that, right? Uh, but I'm not afraid to preach on it, especially when we're going verse by verse. And Paul could have started anywhere, which should teach a lesson here that it is an important matter. There's a whole crowd out there just wants to write, no, it's not important. God doesn't care the way you dress. Apparently he does. Because when he says, now, let's talk about ladies in church, and the first thing he talks about is dress. Amen. He says there, in like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Now, if already something in your heart's like, just get through this, I don't want to hear this, then you probably need to get some things right with God tonight. I love you. I'm your pastor. I think I've been here. I'm your pastor. I love you. And to tell you the truth tonight, this is right, what we're about to preach. Not because it's not my philosophy. It's not the church's standard or idea. It's where we are. I didn't pick the topic tonight. I just knew God wants to teach you, Timothy. It's where we are tonight. I know people that's left good churches over teaching on women because they want power and authority and, and, uh, and things that they shouldn't want. You say you're dishonoring. No, no, no. God honors ladies. 
Now, with this topic regarding the dress, first of all, you notice this, all right, that they, apparently this is an important issue, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. I want to walk through those words. Now, they are what they are. Every one of us will give an account. There's no door check walking in. Nobody's going to send you out. Never happens. It won't happen here. Amen? You say, but at school. At school's in a different environment. We're discipling young people and protecting them from the things of the world, right? But in church, there were people that walked in today say, well, they weren't dressed exactly like, okay. Praise the Lord. But there's people seeking truth. Nobody's going to walk the door and do it. And I know, I know of a church that keeps dresses in their back. And if someone walks in, a lady that's visiting, they make them put on a dress to walk in and they never come back to church. I wonder why. All right. Again, all right. It is important, though, especially as members of this church, and no one in here, you know, you know, has been saved for two days, three days, three weeks. We all profess that so we've known Christ for a while. So it's not a matter of any ignorance not had been taught. It's a matter of obedience in the heart. So let's look at this real quick. Let's walk through these words real quick. In like manner. Well, what's the like manner? Well, just like the men, verse number eight, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. In other words, just as they should know that they're right with God and they're not mad about it and they're not doubting the things of God, they are, they are all in for the Lord. They believe his word. They believe the Lord without wrath, without doubting, and holy hands in like manner. In other words, so ladies, as we approach this subject, our, our thoughts should be, I want to be holy. Our thoughts should be that this is not something I'm going to fight over. Wrath. I'm not going to get angry about this. Our, our thoughts should be that uh, without doubting. I don't want to try and make excuses and pick everything apart. Let's just see what the Bible says. All right? It says that in like manner also that women adorn. Let's stop there. The word adorn. The word adorn means to put in order. To make ready. It means to uh, uh, decorate. It means to embellish with honor. Whose honor? God's. That I would embellish, I would... Uh, to, to, this is what the word means to, to make ready, to decorate, to embellish with honor that my point in my dress is I want to honor God that's it I want to honor God and by the way, God doesn't have you know, well you just do this when you walk in church but the rest of your life do whatever you want to that's called a hypocrite we, we, we live a consistent life, right? so we adorning ourselves interestingly enough the Greek word here for adorn is the word cosmeo. That's uh, where we get the word cosmetic. And it means there to make ready, to decorate, to embellish with honor. So God wants ladies to, to dress in a way, to present yourself in a way that honors God. Right? Put in order. It needs to be, have order to it. Right? 
don't, you understand, put order in it, right? Don't have, you know, one side tucked in, one side out, one sock pulled up, one side down, stains all over, and just your hair, right? And you're just walking around, you know, and you don't care about yourself? No. As a child of God, take care of yourself and present yourself that you are a child of God. I didn't say you needed nice stuff. I didn't say you needed rich stuff. I didn't say you needed, you know, fancy things. Matter of fact, he's going to talk down on doing that. I just mean present yourself in a holy way. I want to honor God. The word adorn, and then the word modest. Adorn himself with modest. Um, that word modest means appropriate, and orderly, appropriate for the situation, for who you are. What, again, what's the context? We're presenting ourselves for the glory of God. So dress appropriately. That your dress is honoring God. I know it's a hard subject to preach on, but it's right to preach it. Then the Bible, all right? I'm not mad at anybody. We're just going through scriptures. Amen, all right? But you should dress, and by the way, husband, lead your family in this. All right? have what we call a backbone and lead in this but modest appropriate appropriate of what appropriate for a child of God it doesn't mean appropriate like well I'm going to go climb a mountain so I'm going to put a tiny little pair of shorts on and a tight shirt right? that's appropriate that's not what that word appropriate means that appropriate refers to the fact that you're bringing glory to God you dress what will bring glory to the Lord that is appropriate for a child of God, which means there are some things that aren't appropriate for a child of God. So we should dress accordingly. Adoring yourself in modest, and then the next word is apparel. That word apparel is kind of stole. It means a letting down. A uh, flowing garment. That's what the word means flowing garment so a woman to dress correctly will adorn themselves decorate embellish to put in order in modest what is appropriate for a child of God apparel a letting down a flowing down garment what I have on is not a flowing down garment I have girded up garment alright See, my pant leg, right? It's girded up. A lady's to wear a flowing garment. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, there's one of two hearts. There's those that will sit there and listen tonight and be like, wow, this is, I'm going to really, if that's what God said, I'm going to really pray about this. I just want to glorify God. Or there's some that's saying, can we leave? And please listen to God's word. I don't have an agenda. I don't follow anybody around. But I do want to help you glorify a great God. So I just ask you to consider, again, not what everybody else says, not what anybody else does. I don't. All that matters is what does God's word say. So regarding the dress. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. All right? So, again, I didn't make it first on the list. God did. 
right? You see regarding the dress, what they should avoid. Then you see regarding their demeanor. Now, some will have no problem now. Some, because you may be frustrated at what I, all I've said so far, this isn't going to help. All right? It says there, with shamefacedness and sobriety. Shamefacedness and sobriety. Shamefacedness means this, that you're dressing without an attitude. Shamefacedness. Because there are some that dress the way they dress because you're expressing your attitude. You're showing what's in your heart. A carnal heart always shows itself in dress. Eventually. But shamefacedness means that, you know, you, it, it's an attitude. Shamefacedness is a, is a meek, a humble attitude. The opposite of that would be a, a proud I'm going to dress how I want to. I don't care what anyone says. And shamefacedness is expressing your attitude in your dress. Dress will display your attitude. Sobriety means self-control. In other words, you're controlling your passions. You have some inner discipline that has built some barriers to prevent natural lust from taking over. And I'm not talking about, because women always get upset, you know, you know, you know, just because men are evil, why should that affect my dress? I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about women and ladies. That you dress with sobriety, you dress with some self-control. You don't dress because I want to wear this. You don't dress because I don't think it's wrong. You don't dress in a way that says, I like the way I look. I like showing off. That's not shamefacedness or sobriety. You're showing self-control because all of us have inner desires to do what we want to do. We all have that. And a lady with dress will always show itself too. But we don't... Again, sobriety means we're controlling those passions. And the lust that it says there that we build these barriers to prevent our natural lust because the natural lust is, look at me. The natural lust is, hey, check me out. You know, you see it in teenage girls. They always, you know, they're taking pictures somewhere. And now with phones, they take pictures constantly. I've been on enough senior trips, right? You have no idea how many pictures are taken, right? But it isn't just a, hey, this is a good picture. It's, hey, wait. Combing the hair, getting the pose, putting the flowers in the right spot, setting the cup at a certain angle, right? Lower the camera. You think I'm making this up? Every senior class, all right, all right, because it really they they want to they want to portray something, all right, and and I I'm great with a good picture, right? That's awesome, all right. But it's like you know, I, if I walk back there to Cody and I took his picture and said I'm going to post that, I'd be like, huh. that's what Cody would do. If I took a picture of Hope and said I'm going to post this, she says, Wait, Dad, I want to see it. Right, Hope? Yes, you're right. She wants to make sure. The hair's right and everything, the angle's right and everything, right? She has, you know, and every lady's that way, right? Because that's the way we are. That's the way they're, they, they're designed. 
But if you're dressing in a way that you say, hey, not that you would say the words, but it's the attitude, check me out. That's no sobriety. You're not controlling your own passions and your own lust, and there's no shamefacedness there. And Paul says to avoid these things regarding dress, regarding demeanor, and then verse 9, regarding their display. At the end of verse number 9, it says this, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Not with broided hair, gold, pearls, and costly array. Again, what Paul's teaching here is our attitude, our, our desire, our demeanor. Everything's about the glory of God. We're dressing appropriately for the glory of God. And what he's warning against here is decorating yourself with expensive things and costly things to draw attention to yourself. I do not believe that it's wrong to have, you know, a gold ring on or a gold necklace. I don't believe that's being taught. I don't believe it's being taught that you can't have a, a, a pearl on a necklace or something like that. It's not wrong to have a nice dress, right? Uh, it's not wrong. You say, well, what's Paul saying? He's speaking of this attitude of displaying yourself for attention. Uh, and going back to 1 Peter, all right? This is a... a Sister passage to this, look at chapter number 3 in 1 Peter, right? Talking about the lady here, and you'll see the same principle being taught. Alright? 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair, that's the same word as broiding, right? Uh, which is weaving hair and putting gold and, and uh, things to say, look how rich I am. Uh, and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Now, obviously, Peter's not teaching that you shouldn't wear clothes. Right? Let it not be the wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. God wants you to wear clothes. Right? But rather, in verse 4, let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible. Right? It's the heart showing through. The heart displaying itself by our pre presenting, the way we present ourselves. Obviously, God wants us to wear the right kind of clothes. And I, there's nothing wrong with wearing a gold necklace, ladies, or, or wearing a, a gold ring, or whatever the case is, all right? Uh, but there's nothing wrong with that until you are dressing in a way that when you walk in a room, Wow. And everything about the way you have uh, uh, dressed yourself to all the, the expensive jewelry you're displaying to the uh, uh, excessiveness and in uh, any decorating yourself or your hair or anything like that. It's good to have your hair. It's good to have your hair combed. It's good to have it uh, you know, done and, and all those things and, and wonderful. But it's another thing to have some weird hairdo to say, look at me. That's wrong. When you color your hair a certain way or you fix it in a way that is abnormal, and there are normals. God gave us normal 
colors and hair and hairdos and and you can you know curl it awesome all right wonderful uh it doesn't matter you know i but it's you know that you're displaying a heart of rebellion a heart of lust a heart of look at me and showing off and displaying yourself in a way that is ungodly the heart attitude the realization is this all right no one dresses right for long without a heart for God. Those that are raised in our homes that, I mean, young people, they get a relationship, they're saved, they have a walk with God, and they love the Lord, and God is working through them, and they just want to please God with their life. They have no problem. those that are made to do it and they have to wear certain things and in their heart they're like oh, I can't believe mom and dad want me to do this all they ever see their parents and God as is taskmasters and, and, uh, and, and abusive and, and dictating and demanding things and as soon as they turn 18 as soon as they move out because the heart's being expressed and the heart will show itself. So there to live in sobriety, what they should avoid regarding their dress, regarding their demeanor, regarding their display. Number one, what they should avoid. Number two, what they should avow. Verse number 10, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. What they should want to display, display is personal godliness and practical godliness. Again, it starts in the heart, but which becometh women professing godliness, professing what's in the heart with good works, it shows on the outside. Paul is teaching here that a, a lady with the right heart will want to display that. That she's just dressing in a way that glorifies God. It doesn't mean teenagers that you have to dress like a dork it doesn't mean that you you know have to look odd and it doesn't but it does show this I want to show I want to dress because I, I just want God glorified it professes what's on the inside through the good works alright uh, I could talk about Dorcas which I know her name right sorry but in Acts chapter number 9, look at this real quick, right? Acts chapter 9, look in uh, verse number 36. Acts 9 and verse number 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. It came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, when they uh, when and whom when they had washed they laid her in an upper chamber for as much as Lydda, uh, Lydda was nigh to Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there they sent unto him two men desiring that he would not delay to come to them then Peter rose and went with them when he was come they brought him to the upper chamber and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them 
But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. In this passage, you have your Dorcas, right? Or Tabitha. And her life was about her good works. The many things that she did for the people, they showed... Peter, the coats that she had made, and, and, uh, but she just loved people and she invested in them. little side note, right, uh, that's taught here. There's some people just like, you know, they, they, it's just facts. It didn't happen here, but I just want to prevent it ever, right? You know, some people, the Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And I amen that, Right? But that is talking about in a uh, arousing way, right? Or in a way that's not appropriate, right? It doesn't mean if a lady falls, I can't touch you, sorry. That's not what that means. Because Peter grabbed her hand and helped her get up. That's just a side note for men. Because there's some people that are just like, well, sorry, she's on the ground, but I can't help you. Get a lady to help her up. No, be a man and help her up, right? That's just a practical thing, right? But in any case, right? Her life was about good works. I just wrote this down and we'll go on. It's not about what can be bought. It's about what is wrought out of a godly heart. And that's what Paul is saying back in our text. It is professing in these good works. We had, they are to live in sobriety, then letter B, they are to learn in silence. Verses 11 to 15. There's a rule. Verse number 11. What is foremost? Verse 11 and 12, the rule. Verse number 11, what is foremost? It says, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. Let the woman learn in all silence. I'm sorry, in silence and all subjection. In contrast, this is in contrast to the man. All right? Verse 11, let the woman. This is in contrast to a man. A man right, is to there in verse number 8, lift up their hands and pray without wrath and doubting. But a woman here is instructed right, to be silent and subject in the church. Again, Paul lifts up and honors ladies. Amen. The Bible lifts up and unpraises godly ladies. Amen? This is not some chauvinist thing. This is not some manpower thing. All right? I'll just say this. God instituted the church. He knows what he's doing. And the instructions he gives us works. We don't need to change it. All right? But you notice here what she's to do, all right? She is to, again in verse number 11, to learn in silence with all subjection. If a church is to function properly, man and women have their appropriate place. Both are equally important. Amen. Men are more important. Nope. Both are equally important. But there is... An order. Look, keep your finger right there. Look back at 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 11. I know we refer to this verse a lot, but look at this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 3. 1 Corinthians 11, 3, it says, But I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Man has their place. Christ is the head. The head of the woman is the man. That's the order God gave. And the head of Christ is God. Now that's important. I'm so glad it's in that verse. Because with Christ and God, who's the head of Christ? God. Who's more powerful? They're equal. Who knows more? They're equal. They're both equal. Who's more important? They're both important. Neither one, right? I mean, they, they are equal. But even in that equality, Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, yields to the Father's will. It is a choice that he makes. I, and that order is God-ordained. In the same way, the same, the same way, a man is to be the head of the woman. This does not mean he's more powerful. That doesn't mean he's wiser. That doesn't mean he's stronger. That doesn't mean any of those things. It just means that God has an order for what he's doing and his way works. It's when we go out of bounds out of what God has said, that's when things don't work. You say, well, I just don't like it. It don't make sense to me. I, I, I thought it when God told Hagar, remember when she ran off and Sarah got mad after Hagar was expecting Ishmael. And, uh, and, and Hagar, uh, Sarah said, get out of here. And Hagar left in that first time. And God told Hagar, go back and submit yourself to Sarah. That probably didn't make sense to her. She probably didn't understand why she needed to go and sub subject herself to Sarah. But she did because God knows what he's doing. Silence and subjection is all about the heart and the attitude. Now, it doesn't mean you can't make a noise when you come in church. It's about the heart and the attitude. It is certain things. Uh, praise the Lord. Sing in the choir. When we sing, sing. Lift up your voice, please. All right? Uh, we're all, this is the, it's what we do in corporate worship. All right? Uh, give a testimony. Absolutely. Because even when a testimony is being given, all right, the pastor's overseeing things at any time. This goes for men or ladies. If something's getting out of bounds, the pastor can and will say, that's good. I remember Brother Hiles liked to give really, really, really long testimonies. And my dad would get to a point, I don't know if anybody ever, like paid attention or caught it, right? Brother Hiles would raise his hand for a testimony. My dad would say, Brother Hiles, don't preach a sermon. He'd always say that to him. And he'd always laugh and give a testimony. It lasted 10 minutes, right? But, uh, but, uh, you know, if something starts to get out of bounds, pastor will stop it. A lady is to, as it says in this passage, all right, to learn in silence with all subjection. It's a matter of the heart and the attitude that I am, listen, submitting to the Lord's way. Plan. Now, what is forbidden is in verse number 12, but I suffer not a woman to teach. So we're given some specifics here about this silence. Are you with me? It doesn't mean you can't talk when you walk in church. Now we're getting the specifics, all right? Not to teach a man. 
Let the, it says, I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So here's the silence is explained. It's not women are to, you know, keep their head down and don't say anything at church. Sing, please. Sing a special. Sing in the choir. Give a testimony. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. But you're not to teach. I have been in some services when, uh, unfortunately, a lady in her testimony started to preach a lesson. And I have seen a pastor say, all right, that, that's good. We'll go on. All right. And I will. All right. Because we have to follow the Bible. You know, uh, my, my wife will teach next door uh, with ladies and things. And if a man ever walks in the room, she stops teaching. My mom did that. I remember one time we first came to this church, my first summer here, I was singing in the choir. And the choir director said, all right, let's open in prayer. He said, Miss Rhonda, will you lead us in prayer? And she went. And Brother Dave Daniels said, that didn't happen in here, right? <laughs> amen for Brother Dave Daniels, all right? He was right, right? Because they're not, to usurp, they're not to lead in that way. They're not to usurp the authority. They're not to lead men, and they're not to teach men. Now, we know they are to teach. Titus chapter number 2 specifically gives instruction for ladies to teach other ladies. We know ladies should teach their children because Timothy saved because of mother and grandma who taught them. We know that Priscilla... Here we go. Priscilla, outside of a church setting, with her husband Aquila, helped Apollos learn the scriptures. The two of them met, and it says they, the two of them, helped him expand his knowledge of the Bible and the things of God. But in God's house, not to be so. In church, it isn't to be there. Uh, at school, you say, what about school? All right. Against, they are not to usurp authority or to teach a man. Have right. got that? Right. A man. Um, these kids aren't men yet. Colby right. thinks he is, but he's not yet. <laughs> no, he's not. Right? No, they're not men yet. Right? And I uh, have no issue with them teaching. Uh, one person asked me and said, well, you know, how about if a lady uh, in the class has prayer? With junior high and stuff like that, doesn't bother me. If you're going to let a lady teach them, then they're not to the point to where that should offend them either. I just want to help with that, right? Does that make sense? If a lady can teach them, then they haven't reached that point of manhood yet. I'm, all right, that's where we are, right? But in the church, if they're not to serve authority over the man. They're not to teach a man. A wife's never going to get behind this pulpit, nor any lady, and bring a lesson to us all. Right? I mean, even to the point, like if my wife's doing a ladies' fellowship, you know, and Brother Price he tells me, you know, I'm going to clean out the back room while she's doing the fellowship, my wife won't teach it. Because Brother Price would get her such conviction under the powerful displaying of the word, right? <laughs> but she doesn't want because it's forbidden in Scripture. Right? So that is what is forbidden. Does that make sense? This isn't difficult. It's not demeaning. It's God's way, and God's way works. You say, but there's so many problems. Yeah, because they're getting away from God's way. All right? So what is forbidden? You see, uh, all these things, uh, got to wrap this up, right? Uh, I love preaching. You're getting preaching fun, right? Uh, but you have here, uh, secondly, all right, um, first of all, we had the rule, verse 11 and 12. 
And then we have the reason, verse 13 and 14. And I'll, I'll wrap this up quick. He gives an interesting reason. Look at the verse in verse number 13. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. The fact is this, and Paul gave this example led by the Holy Spirit of God. A woman's not to get up, a woman is not to teach men, and she's not to serve authority in the church. Because God has created Adam was created first, and then Eve. Back in Romans chapter 9, look at this verse real quick. Romans chapter number 9. And in verse number 20, Romans 9, verse 20. You say, I, I just don't like this. I don't want to do this. I'm not comfortable with this. Whatever our excuse may be, it's just good to remember this verse. Romans 9, 20. Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? So I think it would work better a different way. Who are we to argue with God? God knows what he's doing. Right? So God put this order in these things. God made Adam, then he made Eve. That's clear. Everyone understands that. But God established an order or a headship in human affairs. And what happened, what he talks about here, right? So you see, I didn't give you the verse, but verse number 13, God's order in creation revealed. And then in verse number 14, God's order in creation reversed. This is his reasoning that the Holy Spirit gave him for one reason why we don't let ladies get up and teach and lead. Because in verse number 14, if you're looking at it, Adam was not deceived, the woman was. Adam wasn't deceived, Eve was. Adam was created, then Eve. Adam was instructed to lead. A man and a lady, and I'm not a different sermon for a different time, but I think we understand this, all right? A, a man, God created us this way. We, we um, are ruled by our head. We think. Not that ladies don't, right? But we think, and we're extremely logical and put things in order. Like, men can't really concentrate on two different things at once. I'm doing this. I'll get to that later. A lady's doing seven different things in her mind at one time, right? That's a, a gift, right? We can't do that. We're very simple creatures, right? Uh, everything for us, one person described it, we have like little boxes in our head. This is this box. This is that box. This is how I grill. This is how I clean. This is how I drive. We have little boxes. This is my children's stuff going on, right? And then we have one box all in our head. That's called the empty box. Ladies don't have that. Only men do. So ladies, when you say, what are you thinking about? And they say, nothing. It's true. <laughs> We're in our empty box. We're literally just nothing. Right, Brother Jordan? <laughs> nothing boxes open. All right? Ladies don't have that. They don't understand that. Well, you know, they're always, something's always going on up here. Right? And, uh, but, you know, we, we, we think that way. A lady doesn't, you know, lead and live her life according to the head. It's to the heart. That's how God, and praise the Lord for that. That brings the life into things. And love into things. And, and, um, but God created us differently in that way. And the devil twisted that order in everything to bring the temptation and the first sin. 
The devil twisted that order in that he, again, deceived Eve by picking at her logic. Everybody with me? I'm almost done. But he picked at her logic. The devil attacked the, the word of God. Yea, hath God said. He attacked the accuracy of the word of God. You should not eat of every tree. And he, he attacked the acceptability of the word of God. And, and the fact that by the time he's done, she saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes. And she basically said, why not? It doesn't make sense. What is God holding back from me? And she went and she chose to take that fruit. Now, I want you to understand this. It's brought up this deception, all right? When Adam then chose to eat that fruit, he acted out of the heart. He loved his wife. And he chose to do wrong, as weird a thought this is. He chose death because he loved his wife. God doesn't blame Eve for the fall of man because she was deceived. Adam was to be in that leadership role and he chose to sin. His was not deception. His was a choice. And she chose to sin and God puts the responsibility of the fall on Adam. For as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So God put that on him. Because he failed to lead. He failed to take that role. And like it or not, here's the summary of what we've read. Women are to be in subjection and be in silence in the church. They're not to usurp authority. They're not to be the leaders. They're not, by the way, Southern Baptists are having a hard time with this all of a sudden. Whether women should be pastors or not, women shouldn't be pastors. Here's this scripture. We can go to other scriptures. One of the qualifications of a pastor is to be the husband of one wife. Anyways, it's totally forbidden right here. Anyways, how you can get around this passage, I have no idea, all right? But uh, they're not to serve authority. And the illustration that is given by the Holy Spirit is this. Because of a, the way a lady thinks and the way she's made, she was more easily deceived. That's what it says. God brought up the fall here. And men, you need leadership. God created men to be leaders. I'm not saying there's not good leadership in ladies. And praise the Lord for ladies who will take a stand and do what's right. But God created man with that purpose and responsibility. We're done. Verse 15, you see the response. The response, and we'll pray. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. So she can't teach in a church men she should subject and not lead and be an authority in the church, but notwithstanding. But ladies, hear this. She shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. Say, so what's that mean? That word saved doesn't have anything to do with your eternal salvation. The result of the fall, if you remember, child, in great sorrow, there would be childbirth part of the fall and the result of it but this the penalty of sin and looking at this passage of scripture is teaching this that notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing in other words 
you are going to have a tremendous influence in your church. And you're going to do great and wonderful things, not by getting up and preaching a sermon or taking over and leading everything. But your influence is going to be awesome. I hope you don't care. But Mrs. Hall, Rachel, Miss Carol, Mrs. Grimm, Mrs. Schwartz, Mom, because you're going to be in a home and have an opportunity to teach, and to instruct, and to invest in the future members of your church. And most of the men sitting in this auditorium are like me and are very thankful for a mother who pointed us in the right direction and who loved us and who taught us just like Timothy's mother and grandmother taught him. If, ladies, you continue in faith, in charity, in holiness, and in sobriety, you throw those things out, you're throwing away the opportunity that God has given you to invest in your children. You say, well, that's not a big deal. There is no future church at Kazado without godly ladies pointing their children to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have all the great leaders up here you want to, but if there's no one here and they're all walking away, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. Father, we love you.